This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Chris Townsend with you here for another edition of A's Unfiltered. Hope all is well with you A's fans as we're having a lot of fun as we're in a pennant race right now. And if you're looking at the wild card spot, it's really a three-horse race between the Indians, the Rays, and the Athletics. And the next two months are going to be a lot of fun. On this edition of A's Unfiltered, we're going to talk to Scott Emerson, one of our favorites, no question about it, the pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. We're also going to speak with the left fielder, Robbie Grossman. We'll get into switch hitting with him. Eric Nadell, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Texas Rangers. And then you're going to absolutely love it. Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League. This is the league that they're trying all the new stuff. They're the guinea pig that's hooked up with Major League Baseball for all the new rules, stuff like the electric strike zone and that that type of thing, stealing first base. So we'll speak to Rick White also here in this edition of A's Unfiltered. But first... Whenever you can get them, you know it's going to be a good interview because uh, really nobody better than the athletics pitching coach, Scott Emerson. Scott Emerson, your pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics, is now joining that. How about that? You get Roddy, Robbie Grossman, now we got the pitching coach. Doesn't get any better here than Ace Cast live on the field. Hey, it's Oakland A's baseball, right? Is this the best set or what? This is awesome. I love it. I mean, you guys got a great spot in the dugout, but this is not bad for uh, – and you're a radio guy. You love radio. This is pretty cool. Hey, just to be on a big league field, green grass behind us, it's awesome. Technically not radio, obviously, with the TuneIn app and A's Cast Live. Uh, I just got a text from uh, Dr. Meredith Wills. She's here. She wants me to give her – I have a couple baseballs for her. She's the one that wrote the article on The Athletic about how the ball has changed in 2019. What have you noticed as a pitching coach? Uh, just, you know, I, I've seen some guys that have hired, uh, you know, different spin rates the, the spin rate has moved around on some certain guys on some certain pitches uh maybe the ball feels a little bit harder uh to me and and it's it's noticeable here in oakland just watching batting practice i feel like the ball's going a little bit farther but you know that's the ball that we're being given to play with this year so we got to make adjustments and we can't use the ball as an excuse we just got to go out and find ways to to make the ball do uh what it needs to do but one throw strikes change speeds are, are things that uh, are common good goals for pitchers to do anyways. Yeah, strike one is still the best pitch in baseball. Strike one's very important. You, you know, you throw strike one, it's generally 58, 59% of the time, depending on the season, uh, you get, get to do a lot of things 0-1. And I think about Blake Trinan, and I don't want to make, I'm not making excuses for anybody or Lou Trevino. I just, talking to Dr. Wills about it, that the ball has affected certain guys, whether it's movement on certain pitches. Do you think that that's a possibility for some? We're not going to 
you know, take those guys out. But do you think that has affected some guys that this what they used to do? It's different now because the ball is less drag. Yeah, I think you know if you and I, I tease the guys if the ball has less drag going out, it's got less drag going in. So maybe that's why we're seeing a little bit more uh, fastball uh, spike and velo. It, it's easier to backspin with the the good old Magnus Force keeping the ball in the air a little bit longer. But uh, you know our guys. Uh, you know, are trying to do everything in practice they can to make their ball do certain things. And, and that's what we do every day when we play catch. We experiment. We move the grips around a little bit. We got the wrap soda to help us out and, and uh, you know, uh, verify what the ball is actually doing, if the spin is actually changing with a, a grip change and, uh, you know, maybe a different alarm angle. So there's a lot of things that we can do to try to manipulate the baseball. But the, the toughest part is, you know, when you're getting in the pitcher's head, you know, you, you, you don't want to get in their head to where they're starting to think, man, what am I doing? And I can't do this. And, and so, you know, there's a fine line between your, your practice work and trying to do things that you're incapable of. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is, you know, especially for sinker ballers, if you're pitching the ball at the knees at the bottom of the zone, it's going to find some movement. I always used to tease our scouts and say, hey, anytime you say the ball has run to it, I'd always tell you, well, that tells me the guy doesn't finish off his pitches and get the ball down enough. Because if the ball's down enough with run, we're going to call it sink. So these guys have got to get their bodies down into the action, get into the bottom third of the strike zone if that's the type of style of pitcher they are. Just like the guys that are throwing elevated fastballs, you're not going to uh, extend your trunk as much as you would on a ball down with elevated fastballs. So one of the good things about this big foul territory is it gives you more time to think about what you're going to say to the pitcher when you go out to talk to him because sometimes you got to be like a psychologist Tell us what it's like. Bob Melvin says go talk to him. You've got to deliver the right message. Each guy's different. Each guy's wired differently. What is that like when you're walking out? What are you thinking? Well, you know, sometimes it's planned. You know, around 20, 25 pitches, you're starting to think, all right, got to give this guy a break. You're looking at the scoreboard, how many mound visits we have left, and is, is this trip worth going out right now? You know, if the game's on the line, you got to go out the best you can. you got to know each pitcher, how they respond to you coming out. Some don't like you coming out. And I, I tell them, I don't like coming out either, but I wouldn't be out here if we're dealing, you know. You get the first two guys out, I'm not coming out just with nobody on base, you know. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a feel thing for me. It's a, it's a timing issue. Uh, you know, some guys, you, you, you really got to kick a little bit and get in there a little bit, but it's always a positive reinforcement. I, I remember I go back to this uh, uh, Lou Trevino's first game in Yankee Stadium. It didn't fare so well, and I went out there, and I, I remember telling him, hey, you're built for this. You are built for this opportunity. Your stuff is good enough. This is what you're all about. And, you know, he, I can't remember what happened, but I know the wild card game, I made a trip to him and I said, hey, remember three months ago what I said to you? You're built for this. And he had runners, I believe, on first and second, and he got a double play ball and got out of the inning. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's setting up different trips. I mean, there's a lot of different things and different emotions that go out there when you're making a trip to the mound. But I like to stay positive uh, because, you know, you go out to the mound and tell the guy, hey, throw strikes. You know, he's looking at you like, no doubt. You know, I mean, come on. You know, yeah, hey, you got to get the ball down. Hey, yeah, okay, let me write that down, Nemo. Let me write that down. You know, so they, they know, you know, in general when they make mistakes. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, hopefully they're good self-evaluators of themselves that they made a mistake. 
But I'm coming out there with, you know, maybe it's, hey, get to, get, to the, uh, get to your number one pitch a little bit more often and see what happens there. No matter what the scouting report says at this point in time, we're kind of scattery. We got to get balls in certain areas. You got to get to your number one pitch a little bit more and get yourself back into the flow of the game. And I think about the analytics. We're talking a lot about analytics right now and all the data because we're actually doing – you know Vince and uh, Eno Saris are doing an analytic broadcast here on A's Cast tonight, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I talked to him about it already. <laughs> You'll probably hear me on there a little bit. Oh, nice. There might be three or four minutes of me on there for that one. Nice. Well, and that's the thing. It's like some guys, like Robbie Grossman just said, he's into it. Some guys are not. Like we've talked to Coco about it, and Coco's like, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm C-ball, hit ball. How much do you want your guys using the data? Because some guys, I guess, it will work for, and some guys, you could be a head case. Well, you know, I, I go back to think of, you know, what is analytics? Analytics is math and numbers, right? We've had this in the game forever. We've had batting average forever. Now, batting average may not be the ultimate tool to identify a good hitter nowadays because we got more more stuff. We got uh, OPS and all that type of stuff. And like with a pitcher, walks and strikeouts, maybe you're looking more at whip. So, you know, for me, uh, numbers and statistics have always been around. It, it's always something that I loved looking into. But now that we're getting new statistics, new different names and, and different styles of statistics and maybe a projective outcome, uh, you'd be crazy not to look at these numbers and, and, and formulate your game plan and, and want to know, okay, what has this guy been doing? What does it look like he could be doing? Because, you know, you got ways to kind of figure that out. It's like a GPS system. Hey, this is your fastest route to one one place. This is a little bit slower. So you're kind of looking at it, and I, I use that GPS in, in saying that, hey, maybe I can get there this way or maybe I can get there that way. But there's always a way to get there. So numbers for me are huge. Separation is preparation. If you don't prepare the right way, you're not putting yourself in a, in a good position to have success. And, and study for the test. I mean, I try to tell the pitchers all the time, when, when you're out there pitching, that's the test. Study for it. Know what to throw. Know your spin rates. Know your elevation. Be a student of the game so you're preparing your mind. And when you take the mound, you feel like, man, I'm on top of the world because I know what I'm going to do. I know what I can do. But the analytic part is kind of like a plan A and a plan B. There is a plan C. The plan C is I don't have nothing today. I got to get back to my number one pitch and just execute that pitch. So there's a lot of different, why didn't he throw this pitch? Why didn't he throw that pitch? Because he didn't have it today. So we had to move on to plan B or, or plan A or plan C. And that's what I'm doing in the dugout. We got our plan on paper of what we want to do according to the analytics. I got Pike Goldschmidt and Marcus Jensen, our bullpen coach, and Pike's one of our analysts. We're, we're compiling the game plan. Pike's giving us good information, and we got to hope and know that our pitchers can execute this game plan. It's my job when I get the numbers and the analytics of what these pitchers should do can they do it? And do they like to do it? You know, it's really hard to go into a major league game and say, hey, you need to do this even though you don't do it really well. But the analytics say you need to do it. That's what our rap soto, that's what our practice sessions are for. And when I evaluate those numbers in the rap soto session of our, our bullpens and say, okay, this is a now becoming a spot that you can attack and you can go to because you're getting good at it. And sometimes, you know, with a big lead, I might say to a guy, hey, throw this pitch a little bit more and let's see what's going on with it, you know. You give up a run here and there doing it, I'm all right with that. And that's, that's kind of tough on, on the pitchers too because 
what are we getting paid on nowadays? These guys are getting paid on their numbers and the analytics, and now you ask them to try something in a big league game and maybe give up a run up 12 to nothing, they might not want to do that stuff anymore. But uh, to sum it up, if you're not looking into the numbers and looking at ways to get better by using the numbers, in my opinion, you're going backwards. So the numbers are so important because that's where we're heading, and if you're not heading in the direction where the game is going, you're going the wrong way. Lou Trevino. I mean, not Luther, Blake Trinan, what's the difference in Blake this year compared to last year? I think it's uh, just a little bit of confidence in Blake. You know, Blake's still got good electric stuff. Uh, he doesn't really feel sometimes great about what his, his ball is doing on the sinker side of what we talked about a little bit earlier. But confidence, you know, who knows what comes first, success or confidence, you know. We got to get Blake confident because he's got electric stuff. He's got He's got some of the best stuff I've ever seen from any pitcher ever. And uh, when he's rolling and he's confident, you see what happened last year. So we just got to get him back into that great mindset. And he's got to get himself back into that great mindset. The power of positivity. You know, we got so much negative stuff going on in this world that it, it kind of blows my mind. It's like misery TV, you know. Let, let's get into the positives. Let's push this guy with a bunch of confidence. Get after it and know you can do the job and don't hope you can do the job. I'm not trying to push you out of the dugout. I'm not trying to take the uniform off you, but the minute you don't want to do this anymore, you are going to be an outstanding color guy for a broadcast team. I guarantee it. Well, you know, I mean, I did I did go to college and take some broadcasting classes, but uh, I do like, I, I love the game of baseball. That That's the bottom line, you know, and, and I want to teach these guys and and maybe at some point in time, I'm going to have to talk about how to teach these guys and move into that booth. I don't know. But I love this organization so much. I've been a, been a part of this place since since 03. Uh, it's, it's amazing group of people that, uh, you know, let, let's face it. If, if they say we don't have the funds to do certain things, we got to be creative and find ways to, to dig things out of the hole. And, and that's what I love to do is try to find ways to get people better and try to get uh, this team and this organization to be where we want to be at the end of the day. And that's winning championships. And, and, and right now our goal is, you know, give it everything you got one day at a time, win these ball games. But at the end of the day, I want these guys competing. You know, if we lose games, that, that's, that's baseball. You know, we, we, we had a couple bad innings and made a couple mistakes in Houston, and we only won one game. But I kind of like the way we threw the baseball. You know, we won a couple games with no walks, and we, we threw strikes. We did make some mistakes, but that's going to happen. But, you know, our front office goes out and, and does whatever it takes and, and finds stuff uh, all over the place. And, and it's our job is to get these guys to maximize their potential and be the best player they can be. And right now, we're in a good position, but we there's a lot of baseball left, and we just got to keep plugging along. You are the best. Emo, you are the man. I tell him all the time, I know that someday he is going to be in the broadcast booth. Mark my words, I guarantee it. Robbie Grossman, left fielder for your Oakland Athletics. Always fun to talk to him as he's been playing really good baseball. And we'll get into switch hitting and how tough it really is to switch hit. Here is the Athletics left fielder. Your starting left fielder, Robbie Grossman, joins us. This is one of the cool things about doing the show right here. You know, we didn't know what time we were going to get you, but it's now your time. And uh, thank you for stopping by, which I think is the the best set in all the big leagues. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I've heard a lot about this and uh, excited to be a part of it. You've been playing real well. When did it really start to click for you this season? Um, 
just just reputation. Um, I I had a tough little start. My first game, I felt like, oh man, this is this is gonna be great. And then uh, that's baseball. You, you you hit your rough patches and and uh, you, you work. You come out here and you, you bust your butt every day and try to get a little bit better at everything and uh, just trust what you've been doing and. Uh, Feel like I've been putting together some pretty good at bats, and 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 the better the best is yet to come, I believe. Yeah, you've played really, really well. We've talked a lot about it on this show and also the post game show. And I always want to know from guys who now that you've been here a while, what were your thoughts about the Oakland Athletics before you got here, and what is it like now since you've been in this clubhouse? Um, it's exactly what I thought. Um, playing against these guys for so many years, um, just guys that grinded the bats out, um, led by not the best manager in baseball um and and the way they went about it there's the energy was always here they always played with a passion and uh i'm excited to be a part of it when when i was talking to my agent in the off season about coming over here i was like yeah sign me up i want to be here uh this is a good fit for me and I, I i love playing for teams that are like this and it's it's a clubhouse that every single year just has a bunch of great guys in it yes yes um we kind of have a little bit of forced camaraderie here, and I think that's that kind of molds what we have here. Um, we don't have any bad apples on this team, and everyone pulls for each other. Everyone's on the same page. Bo Mel said it in first day of spring. Hey, this is how we do things. We're going to do things this way. We need everyone to buy in. Everyone's bought in, and uh, look where we're at now. Yeah, that's so important, you know, that old expression, pulling on the same rope, because I'm sure you've been in certain clubhouses. I'm sure you've been on same teams where not everybody's on the same page, and that's that's a recipe for disaster. Well, it, yes, and uh, like I said, it starts from the top. It starts with Bob. He's a, he's a great leader. He, uh, he tells it how it is. He'll give you compliments when you need him, and he, he's the – he, he runs this thing, and this is why year in, year out, you have the product that the Oakland A's have every single year. And I'm always fascinated, and I know I talked, I think you were in Houston when we might have talked about this earlier in the season. We had you on by the phone. Um, it's just being a switch hitter is so tough. It's tough to hit one way. Now you have to do it as a switch hitter, and, and you've got a right-handed swing, you've got a left-handed swing. The maintenance you have to put in is more than what a normal guy does. Talk about how tough it is to switch hit. Uh, it's a it's a unique um, trait, especially in this game, and there's not too many of us left. Um, and it's it's I enjoy the challenge every day of having two swings to work on. Um, I that's what got me into switch hitting. That's what keeps me switch hitting, and and uh, that's that's something I've always prided myself on and enjoyed is the challenge of having two swings. And you were originally a right-hander, right? Mm -hmm. So it was weird. I grew up le throwing left-handed but hit right-handed. And uh, and one day I just decided, hey, I want to start hitting left-handed. And credits to my summer ball coach at the time. He said, well, if you're going to do it, there's no going back. And ever since that day, I've, I've never gone back. So, But you've never had to face that right-handed slider to, as no, a right-handed no, hitter. No, I haven't. <laughs> but, uh, That's the advantage, right? Yes, it is. Um, there's definitely advantages to it. But there's a lot of, uh, like you said, maintenance and work that goes involved in it as well. You know, one guy we used to talk a lot about, a guy you played with, a guy you trained with, and uh, knowing you were coming on today, I wonder if you've talked to him, Jed Lowry. He's had a he's had a rough run at it. He hasn't played it all this year. And Jed Lowry was a great Oakland athletic. Oh, yes. I mean, he was an extra base hit machine. You knew every game that he was hitting third. Have you talked to Jed? How's he doing? I haven't talked to Jed. Um, I hope him the best. I wish him the best. Um, I know they just – they dearly miss him over there, and uh, and um, 
I, I just hope for the best for it going forward with him. Yeah, it's tough when, it, when, when, when he can't stay healthy. You know, the best ability is availability, and that's rough for a professional athlete when you, you don't feel like you're a part of the team, you're constantly rehabbing. It's just not fun. No, um, it's that's a tough uh, that's a tough place to be. Um, I wish that on no one. And like I said, uh, Jed, Jed will be back, and we'll see him hit multiple base hits. Um but in a different league, so it's good and it's not against us. We got this hard trading deadline coming up, and there's been no movement. But I got to think you've probably been in it both ways to where you're on a team that's a buyer and a team that's on a seller. How nice is it to be on a team that's a buyer? Because we know the A's are actively looking to still help this team. It's great. Um, I think it's a tribute to what these guys have done um, as a group to, to this point, um, showing the front office that, hey, we're, we're right here. Um, we, a couple more pieces would be nice, but uh, we really like the team that we have here. And I've also been on teams where we've sold at the deadline, and and we look up and we're in the wild card. And um, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's 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 nice to be on a team that we've we've played so well at, to this point, and we're looking forward to playing even better on the way going forward. What do you think that would do to a team? Because there's a lot of them in the National League right now. I mean, it's like everybody in the National League is pretty much still kind of in it other than the Marlins. Mm -hmm. What would that do, let's say, like you're two games back of the wild card or one game back, and all of a sudden your team starts making trades, selling guys for prospects. What do you think that kind of mentality would do to a ball club and inside the clubhouse? Well, it happened when I was in Minnesota in 17. Um, we had a rough week. We went to, like, L.A. and the Dodgers spanked us for a couple games. And we had a rough road trip, and then we sold off our closer, and we sold off – I can't remember who else it was. And, and we kind of had a team meeting, and we rallied around that, and we ended up making the wild card game. Yeah. And so um, you can never count out guys in this game and how crazy this game could get at the last two months of the year. Um, but uh, – like I said, I'm um, excited. I'm just uh, grateful I'm an Oakland A and grateful for the, the team I've been placed on. And I think about your team right now going forward. And A.J. Hinch, I think he said it best. He goes, hey, the one team, no disrespect to Texas or Anaheim, the one team the Astros worry about are, are you guys, the Oakland Athletics. But as you know, they've got a lot of talent. What's it like when you match up against the Houston Astros? Well, they know that we have a lot of talent too. As you can see, they – they set it up where we weren't supposed to face Verlander and Cole and when we went in there. And they they lined it up so they bullpen day one day a couple weeks ago so they could line it up so we faced the big dogs. And um, that that shows you all you need to know. And uh, we felt like we played played pretty good ball, but we, we still got better ball to play. We, play, we, we faced them I don't know how many more games. I know at least two more series, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I think you got seven more against them, and that those head-to-heads mean so much in the standings, and that's why we have the Bob Melvin Show here on Ace Cast Live, and Bob doesn't. Bob never wants to talk about the wild card. I never ask about the wild card. It's still all about the division, and that's your guys' mentality. 100% because um, you don't want to leave this up to just one game, and, uh, and that's the goal for all the teams pushing for the playoffs is uh, – don't put it in the position where you have to play one game to determine your outcome. So tonight here on A's Cast, we're going to have our normal broadcast with with, with, with Ken Korak and Ray Fossey uh -huh. on our ra radio stations, 860, 1140. But here on A's Cast, on the TuneIn app, this is, we, so, yeah, I don't yeah, know if you, yeah. do you guys know we have a 24-hour yeah. station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to do a Sabermetrics broadcast tonight. How much are you into analytics, and how much do you utilize that in your game? Uh, I'm a I'm a believer in the numbers. Um there's a lot that have come out in the last five to eight years about the numbers and 
and, and it, there's so much numbers out. There's so many numbers out there that you could take it so many ways. But there is a lot of good information that could help a lot of guys on the field, and you, you've seen it, um, even with the launch angle and the release. And there's so many numbers, but it, you have to kind of tailor it. It's another part of it, being a player in this day and age is tailor it to yourself to how can this make you better. And you know StatCast loves you defensively. Do you know uh. that? Yeah, but StatCast has hated me defensively before, too. So, um, But I've used some of those numbers to uh, improve on what I'm doing in the def on defense and in the box. And how much video do you watch? I watch too much, probably. Um, I'll admit that. that I, I watch too much where some days I, like, I can't go in there because I, I, don't, I don't need to see anymore. I don't need to nitpick at anything else. Um, just... Uh, that's, that's kind of the love-hate relationship with the numbers and the video yeah. and everything we have nowadays as a player. Um, it's, it's trying to find that, that, that happy medium. Because at some point, it's got to be see ball, hit ball. Yes, yes. And uh, like the old phrase, dumb it down. Um, this is a uh, very challenging game, but you, it's, it's an easy game. After a very rough road trip, and we'll end on this, I think you guys got to kind of be licking your chops right now to get back home and have a nice long homestand. Yes, this is a big homestand. Um, like I said, every every game that we have from now on is, is our biggest game of the year. And it doesn't matter who we're playing, and, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm glad you put it that way. I've been trying to tell the fans, don't give me this marathon crap anymore. Yeah. It's a sprint to the finish into the postseason. Yes, it is, uh, especially where we're at and and uh, how crazy baseball can get these last two months. Well, I'll tell you what, one of the reasons why the A's are where they are, because if we ended it right today we'd be in the postseason it's because of the way you've been playing left field and the way you've been swinging it so stay hot we appreciate you coming over and uh good luck in this homestand thanks for having me on good to talk to robbie grossman and then also down on the field if you if you don't know we do ace cast live from the field for home games and one of the really cool things is when you get other teams people to come over and we were able to get eric nadell eric nadell eric nadell was the Ford C. Frick Award winner in 2014. That means you're a Baseball Hall of Famer, and that's the broadcasting award that you get, uh, broadcasting excellence, and you get into the Baseball Hall of Fame and museum. So Eric Nadell, the longtime voice of the Texas Rangers. You know, when you win the Ford C. Frick Award, you're a Baseball Hall of Famer. And I've always wanted to ask you, it never gets old when someone says, baseball hall of fame does it it's got a nice sound to it <laughs> makes you think you know every time somebody says it it makes me think me you know that's vin scully and bill king and you know harry carey and jack buck me yeah you yeah it's pretty cool it's been an incredible run for you with the texas rangers yeah it's amazing you know i was a hockey announcer chris uh, doing minor league hockey in dallas when the rangers had an announcer who was about to retire and they liked the way I did hockey, and they actually let me audition and do four games into a cassette recorder and hired me based on that to start the following year. That was 1978, and somehow I'm, I'm still around doing this. <laughs> well, Some 6,000 games later or whatever it is. I'm yeah, it's, it. it's truly one of the amazing runs in baseball. And What do you think of our set here for Ace Cast Live? Not a bad this, set. This is pretty cool. I, I love to see the advancements the game is making. And this is really, I mean, we're the only team in baseball doing it. We're the only team allowed to have 
a 24-7 station right now, but I do believe within the next year or so, every team in baseball is going to be doing this. You think so? Yeah, because you control everything. You control your message. Mm -hmm. It's a way to talk to your fans. You don't have to rely on a radio station. It's just, I, really, I think everybody is. I think football needs to be great for the NFL, NBA, NHL. There's already a couple of NHL teams doing it. Really? And, you know, a few years ago, there were people who were always asking me, uh, is radio going to survive with baseball? And it turns out that I think more people are listening now because you can listen on your devices and you don't actually need a radio. And similarly, something like this, it actually brings you know more audience into the fold, I think, for all forms of broadcasting baseball. Yeah, because right now, if I want to listen to you and I'm a fan, I have to pay on the MLB app. Here, this is free. Mm -hmm. So, Rager fans will get you free. So, as you said, now that all of our phones connect to our cars, it just allows more right. people a chance to listen to you. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, we... Uh, <laughs> When we changed radio stations uh, maybe about 15 years ago, and uh, the owner of the team at that time, Chuck Greenberg, went to a much more low-powered station, and he said, well, by the end of this deal, most of our listeners are not going to actually be listening on radios. He was ahead of his time. He was actually wrong, I think. He was a little bit ahead of his time, but that really is the case right now. You know, last time we saw you in Texas, the Rangers were going real well. What happened to the Texas Rangers? Well, it's really been just the last 10 days, Chris. The Rangers, I think, were a game or a game and a half out of the wild card 10 days ago. And then, as usually happens in losing streaks, everything went bad. Uh, the starting pitching, which had been doing a good job of keeping the Rangers in games, uh, started faltering, especially the three, four, and five guys. But even Lance Lynn and Mike Miner, the top two starting pitchers, had a couple of starts that weren't bad but weren't uh, – excellent the way they had been and the Rangers stopped scoring enough runs to make up for mediocre pitching and part of it was as we found out today Joey Gallo's been playing with a broken hammock bone probably for 10 days uh, and he is the uh, the center of the offense but you know another part of it is that Hunter Pence has come back from an injury hasn't really gotten his timing back a couple of other guys are slumping and uh, just one of those perfect storms where the pitching not quite as good and the hitting not nearly as good coincided and next thing you know there's an eight game losing streak and you've lost nine out of ten and now it's hard to consider yourself a serious contender yeah and you mentioned hunter pence we got to talk to him here got to know him in his days over in san francisco really a hell of a guy and has been one of the great stories so far because you know with the giants he couldn't hit i mean he it's like his career was over and then he's an all-star but now there's rumors he may get traded what do you think happens with hunter pence well, I think the Rangers listen to offers. I think they have to. You know, he's not signed for next year. I would imagine he's one of these guys who would have a pretty good chance of re-signing with the Rangers, even if he goes to another team. He's from Arlington. Uh, he and Chris Woodward are really close. And uh, he and his wife have really enjoyed living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They still have a home in Houston. So uh, I think that uh, there's a pretty good chance that uh, the Rangers entertain offers for Hunter. And if they get enough to... Uh, make up for the fact that his loss in the clubhouse will be huge uh, I think they go ahead and, and they make the deal they've got young guys who need playing time Willie Calhoun specifically was called up today he needs to be playing every day and the Rangers even without Gallo have uh, four outfielders slash DHs for three spots and they need to solve that so that Calhoun can play every day. One way to do that would be to trade Hunter Pence. You know, the one thing that we just saw in our last series, once again, is how good the Houston Astros are. And they just keep bringing up young guy after young guy. 
they're going to be touched. They're going to be tough to catch for many years, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we saw last weekend where they called up back-to-back guys who pitched brilliantly and won their first major league games against the Rangers. Uh, uh, Rogelio Armenteros and Jose Urquidy. Earlier this year, Corbin Martin came up, made his first major league start, and beat the Rangers. So. Th- Three times in the last four games we've played against the Astros in Houston, they've called up somebody to pitch, and he pitched well enough to win his first major league game. Where are all these guys coming from? Plus, now they have kind of replaced the White Sox and the Dodgers as having the Cuban pipeline. Every time you turn around, they've called up another Cuban player is really good. Yeah, it's uh, they've got firepower and they got the pitching. And you mentioned the young guys, and you're looking at Verlander and Cole. It's just unbelievable. But what do you think about the athletics since the last time we were in Texas? Still kind of scuffling. I don't know what it is, but since like the year 2000, doesn't matter who the manager is, doesn't matter if the coaches, the players. There's something about this team. They get off to slow starts and they hit June and July, and they put the pedal to the metal. They do, and you know it. It seems just, you know, watching it from a distance that the return of Matt Olson was uh, really an incredible, uh, incredibly important factor for the A's, you know, in coming around. And you look at his numbers and considering that he missed 30 some odd games, they're really phenomenal. I, I said to Chris Woodward today, you know, after I had talked to Vince and done a little bit of homework, I said, hey, uh, Woody, did you know that uh, Matt Olson has five bunt hits this year? And he said, yeah, I'm a little more concerned about the 21 home runs he has in 70 <laughs> games. <laughs> and the thing here, what a lot of people, I think, from the outside don't understand, if you really look at the strength of this team, obviously we're talking about the baseball, we're talking about home runs, but the strength of this team the last two years has been defense. That's the one thing when you know, the A's don't beat themselves defensively. Yeah, and, you know, I've actually asked our uh, our pre- and post-game guy, Jared Sandler, to, to do some research on this to see just where they rank right now on the various websites in terms of runs saved and all of that because now that Simeon is an exemplary defensive player after being a liability for for many years to go with the two guys on the corners who were the best in the league and that I guess Jerickson's gotten better at second base as the season's going on uh, you got Loriano in center field who's as good as anybody it's uh, it's clearly a team that wins with defense and you really can't say that about that many clubs these days no I mean everything is about we're talking home runs uh, analytics we're doing an analytics broadcast obviously you and Vince are, are, are very close and Eno Saris who does a great job with the athletic what do you think about that what do you think about an analytics broadcast uh, I, I wish I could hear it you know I really want to hear what those guys are talking about you know we're very careful in the way we we break analytics into our broadcast OPS is a figure we use regularly now but still every game I like to explain what it is and what the league average is so if I tell you that Matt Chapman has an 899 OPS I want you to know it's hundred fifty points higher than the league average we're, you know we we're still educating people about that um, defensive metrics uh, again I go for the simplest stuff I want to be able to say that uh, Matt Chapman has led the league in runs saved over the last four years it's a very easy concept I think for people to understand when you get into things like war that are computed in ways that we don't understand uh, I'm still shying away from those numbers Ex- other than to say that there's this thing called war and Mike Trout is head and shoulders above everybody else as you would expect and here are the next three or four guys without actually getting into the numbers themselves which i think just confuse people i'm more interested in the rankings in uh, 
in stats like that that aren't cumulative type stats? I think about a baseball fan, and I always like, you know, all the years I've been in talk radio, I try to explain it to people. You have somebody driving in your car 65, 70 miles an hour down the road. If you get too complicated, you know, you're worried about the cars around, you start losing the message. So I agree. If you started going into weighted runs created plus and started getting into all that, I think you kind of, for you guys, it's, we want to listen to you guys tell the stories and tell the game. Yeah, and especially on radio, you know, it's a little different on TV where they can put a table up on TV and people can see these are the five top guys in whatever the esoteric category is and see it from there. It's a little tougher on radio where people are trying to keep track in their minds of, well, what number did he say there? What number did he say there? So a lot of times I'm just asking people to trust me. I'm telling them, you know, well, there's a new, uh, there's a new stat now called uh, ERA plus or whatever it is, and uh, just trust me that Lance Lynn is leading the league in this. And here are a couple of guys who are behind him, Justin Verlander and you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that's the best way at this point for us to handle it on radio. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You know what? We'll send you a copy of the game. I'll make sure you get a copy. We'll let you go on this. I know when you get here, it's all about Chinese food. Have you gotten your Chinese food yet? Now, tomorrow we've got a big group going to Henry's Hunan, which is my favorite place here. Uh, I go there at least once every time we're here. I've been going since 1980 when I discovered their original location in Chinatown on Kearney Street. And they're still going strong. I think they got five different restaurants yeah. in town. I just I love that place. Thank you so much. And, 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 you know, every single time we have somebody come down here, this is just it just continues to build. And we want to thank you as you're one of the greats in the game, a Hall of Famer, and we really appreciate you taking the time. It's like a little batting practice to warm you up before you know, the game. It's great, and it's really cool to be on the field. There aren't that many ballparks that have enough foul territory, yeah. literally, <laughs> where you could have a setup like this. You can't do this in our ballpark behind third base, but you can do it here. I think it's great. We might have to tell Dave Cavill, our president, hey, this new ballpark, we're going to still you need. You want all this extra room. <laughs> yeah. You want to do it like they did in Detroit. You want the same foul dimensions as they had at Tiger Stadium. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And last but not least, I had a lot of fun with this interview. Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League. The Atlantic League has signed on with Major League Baseball to be a testing ground for rules that baseball might want to implement in the major leagues or even down in the minor leagues. You know, a, a pitcher has to throw at least to three batters, the electric strike zone, stealing first base, and it just goes on and on and on. Nobody allowed to go out and talk to the pitcher unless he's injured. So a pitching coach can't go out. A, a manager can't go out. So we wanted to have Rick on to talk about all these new rules. Here is the president of the Atlantic League. Well, I told you this was going to be fascinating. He's the president of the Atlantic League. Rick White joins us here on A's Cast Live. Rick, we truly appreciate the time, and we are fascinated to learn about all the different things you're doing in your league, what's working and what you think is not working. Thank you for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. First off, how did this deal come down between your league and Major League Baseball? It's, it's largely unknown outside of our relationship with MLB, but we've had a formal relationship with the commissioner's office now for roughly five years. We send so many players back to big league organizations that it was essential at the time that we create a working agreement to govern that transmission. And since that time, we've become more close to the commissioner's office. One thing led to another. And in December, at the winter meetings, 
they approached us with what has now become the partnership where we are testing MLB rules and initiatives and in exchange, uh, they are helping us out with some of the resources they can provide that we could really use to make our league run better. Oh, it's it's wonderful. And I'm I'm not a get off my lawn kind of guy. I, I, I like change. I like to see constantly trying to improve the game. And the one thing that I'm really fascinated about is TrackMan. When we're looking at the radar tracking system, calling balls and strikes, a lot of people like to call it robo-ump. You guys have extended that now to the end of the season. Tell me how it's working for you. Well, so far we've tested it and then we've unveiled it at our All-Star game here a couple of weeks ago. Tomorrow night we go live in all of our games and we'll satisfy that through the conclusion of our season in September. Our tests have gone marvelously. Uh, We've had the opportunity now to train all of our umpires. We have run countless numbers of tests with the communication equipment that has been utilized to connect the TrackMan advanced analytics system to the umpires themselves and back to the TrackMan operator. Uh, That took a little bit of doing. TrackMan itself has never been in question. It is accurate. It is reliable. It's been used by Major League Baseball for well over a decade. So that part's great. The transmission to the umpires is being utilized on a Wi-Fi system. And like any other technology, there are sometimes interruptions that we have to troubleshoot. But we're in a position now where we feel quite confident that the games are going to run seamlessly and they will be extraordinarily ordinary. How are the players taking it, pitchers and hitters? Do they like it, dislike it? What is the feedback? I, I will, I will uh, answer by way of illustration. The very first time we tra- tested the ABS system, we apprised our managers that we were going to be conducting those tests, and the first thing that we had to do was to set up the system, set up the communications, outfit an umpire, get him in uniform and in pads behind a catcher with a BP pitcher on the mound. Out of nowhere, there were 50 players. Virtually everybody on both rosters came out with their mobile devices, and they started taking literally photographs of what was going on. They started shooting videos. They started interviewing each other. And each of these players was giddy with excitement and incredibly attuned to the fact that they were part of something much bigger than themselves, bigger than our league. And they understand that this could impact the game for years to come. Almost to a person, they are enthusiastic, they're excited, they are anxious to participate And on a uh, playing level, pitchers like the fact that we're now calling 100% of the rule book strike zone, we've given them back the gift of the high strike that hasn't been called throughout professional baseball for decades. Hitters are excited because the strike zone will be consistent from day to day, park to park, umpire to umpire, believe it or not, inning to inning. And these guys are good. They're that far away from Major League Baseball. 
and they can adjust to the full strike zone. So both hitters and pitchers are tremendously excited, and they want to get it on. So tomorrow night is as big for them as it is for the league. In your opinion, will we see this in Major League Baseball soon? I think we will see automated balls and strikes in Major League Baseball. I can't tell you with any accuracy how long that could be. I think the logical next step is that next year what we're doing will be transferred to AAA, perhaps AA affiliated ball. But in Major League Baseball, there are a couple of hurdles that have to be passed before this can be utilized. Now, I'm assuming from what I read and what my players tell me that the MLB players will be equally enthusiastic. But in Major League Baseball, they have to overcome a challenge that we don't, and that is the Major League Baseball Umpires Association. Major League Baseballs are protected by Major League Baseball umpires are protected by an advocacy group. They have the concerns you would expect they would have out of any advocacy group or union. And they have increasingly been public about uh, a skeptical uh, stance regarding automated balls and strikes. I dare say, though, as they learn more and they see the example set by our umpires, they will learn that we are not compromising jobs. In fact, we're probably asking more of our umpires than ever before. And I don't believe that we are compromising compensation. Again, we're not advocating the elimination of an umpire, nor is anybody at Major League Baseball. And, in fact, our umpires cannot be nonchalant. If they think that the system is going to do the work for them, they will quickly find out that they are in over their heads. Um, there is an override system in our league around the test, which says for actions such as a hit by pitch, a check swing, a swing through the, the strike zone with a pitch that otherwise would be called a ball for catcher's interference, for a ball that strikes the infield dirt but bounces up through the strike zone, our umpires have to be alert and be ready to call that, in addition to running the game and calling all the plays at the plate. So this is not an easy task. And I think as people begin to understand this, they will, they will realize that MLB, through their test, is honoring umpires. They are treating them in a very traditional manner. No one is compromising the umpires in any way. And we're doing it in a way that is supposed to look traditional. Uh, that's why I said extraordinarily ordinary. If we do this right, our guests at our games are going to say, wow, those guys called a great game tonight. But they're not going to say there was some looming umpire or machine looking over their shoulder determining the balls and strikes. So uh, when we unveiled this at our all-star game, I think most of our fans went home and said, that was a really fun game, and wow, that was great. And, oh, by the way, they used, they used uh, TrackMan to call balls and strikes. I didn't even realize they were doing it. That, that's what I think we're ultimately going to get to. 
Now, the one that's controversial for a lot of people, and follow the Atlantic League on Twitter, at AtlanticLG, is the pitcher has to face three batters. And a lot of people up here, I've heard, they don't like, they, they just, they can't get their arms around it. So tell me, how, how is that rule working? First, let me talk about the rationale. Um, Major League Baseball has only suggested to us test initiatives that have been heavily researched, that are in response to that research, and for which they have a very clear criteria in terms of what they're trying to address. In the case of a minimum three-batter appearance rule, MLB is responding to fans who say, do we really need to go pitch by pitch, batter by batter, with seemingly endless relief pitchers coming in to face a lefty and then a different pitcher to come in and face a righty and so forth and so on. Uh, Thus far for us, this has been one of the easier tests to uh, work on. First of all, our pitchers, once they understood the vagaries of the rule, had no issue with it whatsoever. They know they're going to come in to face batters. They know that if they continue past the inning's end, they will be completing three full plate appearances. And I haven't heard a word from pitchers regarding how this has affected them. I think in some quarters there's a bit of relief because our pitchers don't want to come out, face one batter, and go in and take a shower. They really are competitors. They're warriors. They want to succeed. And frankly, I think they appreciate the looks that this is giving them with MLB scouts and folks who evaluate advanced analytical data on the player development side. Another one that's fascinating to me is the batter being able to take first base at any time when the catcher, if there's a pass ball, wild pitch, whatever. My thing is, how does it get scored? Is it scored a base hit? Is it scored a stolen base? What are you? What's the reward for a hitter? Let's let's remember that this is a test, and in this test in particular, Major League Baseball does not in their current statistics and scoring system, have a way to accurately score this play. So we started and went for a long weekend with this play being ruled a fielder's choice. We and Major League Baseball quickly realized that we were disincented the batter to become a batter runner and try to get on to first base because even though they would be successful getting on first base, it was hurting them in terms of a plate appearance without a hit and therefore their batting average suffered. So currently the play is being called a base on balls. Uh, The intuition here is it correctly penalizes the defensive team, if not with the same precision MLB would like, but what they are going to do at the conclusion of the season is go back in and create a special ruling specifically for stealing first base that will be retroactive for all the players in our league, but at the same time will take into account the risk the batter runner is taking and also the defensive liability for 
allowing that to happen, whether it's a wild pitch or a pass ball. Don't forget, though, that if the batter runner is thrown out at first base, it's a simple force play. So then it does become a fielder's choice or a, a simple, uh, in this case, two-to-one put out. Let's end on this. Out of all the stuff you're doing, what have you said, yeah, I don't think this works? The, you know, it, it is not for us to criticize or to evaluate the success of tests. That's up to Major League Baseball because these are truly their tests. But if there's one where I think that someday there will be an adjustment for us, it is on the zero mound visits per game rule. Uh, currently, a pitcher can only be visited by the manager to either be relieved as, of his responsibilities and replaced by a relief pitcher or be removed for purposes having to do with his health, i.e. if he's injured. Um, we think, uh, or our pitchers have fed back to us, that they would like at least one mound visit to be allowed, especially for starters. Uh, they really do think there's something to this notion that if you get yourself in trouble, you can recover. But it's nice to have your composure aided by a pitching coach or a manager. I don't know if that is ever going to make a difference. We've expressed that view to the folks at MLB. Their thinking is, let's give this a test. Let's see how, how uh, we can deal with this in the future. In some regards, we are a victim of our own success. We were the first professional league to put a limit on mound visits or, or on-field conferences during the game. Our limit last year was three. Um, managers or infielders would only confer on two occasions because they were always trying to save that last one through the end of a game. Uh, so Major League Baseball picked up on that, and they said, let's try zero. I think there will probably be a happy medium down the road. But, again, it is not for us to make that evaluation. It's entirely up to MLB. Rick, I told people before you came on, I said this is going to be fascinating, and you absolutely delivered. Thank you so much for the time. And if there's anything you ever want to promote, we would love to have you on again. Well, we're absolutely flattered at your interest in the league. Thanks so much, and I'll look forward to the next time. Well, that'll do it for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. I hope you enjoyed all of our wonderful guests, and I'll see you out at the ballpark. Come say hi to me in the treehouse. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.